Hi everybody, I'm Edric. I'm Joy. Welcome to Family, family Unboxed, Unbox, where we talk about everything family, from the light stuff, the fun stuff, to even the heavy and controversial stuff. Because our desire is to encourage families and see the world changed one, one family, family at, at a time. time. Hello everybody, welcome again to another episode of Family, family Unboxed. Unbox. I'm here with my wife Joy, my name is Edric, and today we figured we'd talk about a parenting principle which many of us instinctively feel and know, but it's great to structure it so that we're clear and we're very intentional. And if you've been hearing uh, the past episodes, you know, intentionality is so important in parenting because many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we are incidental parents. You know, we kind of just go with the flow. We read a little bit. We don't really think through why we're doing what we're doing. So this is one of those. And the focus of this particular episode is loving and liking. What is the difference? How do we apply this in raising our kids? Let's start with love. When we talk about love in parenting, we, we often refer to a framework that is done by Dr. Gary Chapman. Many people have used this in the context especially of uh, relationships of a man and a woman or husband and wife. And he frames it in a way where you know love languages are exactly as the words state. It is the way for us to communicate the fact that we love somebody. And when we think about languages, the reason it's termed a language is because just like languages, oftentimes you want to say something to somebody, but they don't understand because you're speaking different languages. For example, if you travel and I happen to be in a, let's say, Eastern European region where they do not speak English and I do not speak their language also, when I ask for directions or when I ask for a coffee shop or a toilet and a bus, no matter how sincere I am saying it with all my facial expressions and body languages, they will not understand me because I'm speaking a different language. And I'm very sincere. And it's the same with love, Dr. Chapman states. We want people to feel we love them. And maybe the reason they don't feel it or feel it fully is because we're speaking a different language. So he says we need to ask ourselves which of these five languages we have, and then we will ask which of these five does the person we're expressing them to also have? And then we now need to match it, okay? So, for example, the five love languages, the first is words, words of affirmation. And when we think about words of affirmation, these would be things like saying, I love you. Uh, you know, I, I, you're so beautiful or you're so handsome. I, I really appreciate you. If you are the type of person who feels especially loved and cared for when you hear words of affirmation, then most likely this is your dominant love language of the five, okay? so But stay tuned, there's still four others. As an example of this first love language, how does this apply? I'm gonna ask my wife Joy to share. What does this look like, babe? I think he almost forgot that I was sitting here beside him. <laughs> so Not showing my love language. <laughs> <laughs> and my love language happens to be words of affirmation. So I think it's more than just saying to somebody, you know, you're you're good looking or you're handsome and you're beautiful and I love you. It's um, really understanding what makes them feel appreciated. So this works even, you know, between you and your spouse, but with our children, we notice that one of them is particularly sensitive about words. So when you start to correct him without you know, sandwiching it with affirmation, uh, without positive words, he gets especially discouraged. So this is how, how you'll also know somebody prefers affirmation or looks for affirmation. So I remember one time I said to my child, you know, 
I really, really appreciate being with you. And I'm so glad that we're all together in this room, just hanging out. And he said to me, you know, mom, I really still need to hear that. And he was an older child already. He was not, he was, I think in the teenage years already. So no matter how old our child is, they, they need to hear from us words of affirmation that make them feel like, you know, mom and dad, they appreciate me. I'm important to them. I'm significant in their eyes. Awesome. So that's words of affirmation. And you want to ask yourself, is that your language? Is that how you feel loved? Or is that how the person you're expressing it to feels loved? As Joy was sharing for your kids, that's my, that might be one way to detect it. The second language is now touch. Some people will say, you know, yeah, not really words. I don't really feel that love with words because um, I get it a lot or I just is not my personality. But I like affection. So touch is your love language. What does that look like? When someone embraces you, so let's say your husband or your wife, they embrace you, you feel very loved. Or when they kiss you on the cheek, or obviously if you're married, uh, kisses, uh, sex, intimacy like that, those could be your form of love language. And if it is, that's your primary way of feeling love, then most likely it is touch. as your That is your dominant love language. So what does that look like for kids, honey? Well, one of our sons, another son, is a very, very affectionate person. We have a, a daughter that's very affectionate as well. Like when they're feeling down, um, when they're not motivated to do something, like if I come alongside them and I just give them a hug or ask them to hug me, you can tell that their body language relaxes. They feel more calm. If they're upset about something, it's easy to, to make them simmer down by just embracing them. And so with this one son of mine, it's not just about doing this when he's not feeling okay, but he's the type that he'll actually always try to insert himself beside me no matter where we are. <laughs> when we're at an event or at church or even riding in the car, as much as possible, he wants to find the seat next to me and he'll want to cuddle up beside me. So it's super sweet. And we make a joke about it because we always say, you know, hey, Titus found a way again to sit beside mom. You said his name. It's okay. I mean, I think during this podcast, everyone's going to get to know our kids. So that's, that's um, you know, things like that. Just hugging them randomly, kissing them, or sitting beside them, putting your arm around them. Those things matter to a child who appreciates affection. Yeah, and most often, if that is their language, that's what they do. They will jump on you. They will hug you like one of our children who loves hugging. That's one way for you to detect if their language is, is touch or these affection affectionate uh, gestures. What's the third? So we've looked at words. We've looked at touch. The third is now time. And for many young children, we like, we've learned this and we've shared this. The primary love language of many young kids is when you spell love to them, it's T-I-M-E. You know, it, it, they need time. And that is not something we can work around. It's just the reality of their season. So Time people, if you're a time person, right? How will you know this is your main love language? You are the type of person that wants to be able to have prolonged periods with the person you love. And this is time where it is undivided attention. That is so important, especially in today's age with all the digital stuff, right? You cannot just be beside each other and you know, you're know you both on Facebook messaging each other on Facebook. You have to literally be able to give your undivided attention 
to that person. Or if this is your language, you want them to give their undivided attention to you. That's how you know, okay, I'm a time person. I really want people to engage me fully and I feel very loved and cared for when they're able to do that for me. Yeah, and, and I think it's about quality and quantity time, right? So like Edric was saying, it, there has to be real engagement there. So at the at the dinner table, as much as possible, we have no gadgets at the table policy so that we can really be present in the moment with our children and it matters to them. One of our sons, our oldest son, he's definitely a time person. So he, you know, I remember when, when he was younger and let's say we'd spend the whole day with him, but then the next day, it's like the meter goes back to zero. He needs that time again. <laughs> yes, that's right. Remember that? That's the challenge of time, people. Right. It's like time is never enough. It's never enough. It's not like you can tank up on like one month's worth of time and then all of a sudden they're okay. They, they consistently need uh, to have time with you. But, but what Edric was saying, that engaged time, that's important. So one of the things that he would do when he'd come home is he would just, as soon as he would get in the door, he would just give the kids like 15 minutes of undivided time just to find out how they are they are just to tell them you know who are my favorite people i miss you guys today you're my highlight and that matters to them uh, but we also try to do things now that they also enjoy because as we said we want to make sure it's quality time we'll talk more about that in a little bit when we talk about another point which is the liking part right so thanks honey now it's important for the dads that might be listening here 15 minutes might sound like a stretch so let me give you a discount <laughs> i learned this from joy's dad my father-in-law who's a, a dear mentor of mine also he said just five minutes you need to make sure your children feel like and your wife feel like the most important people in the world just the first five minutes so Let's say you had a rough day at work, you know, and this obviously what made more sense before the protocols, right? Uh, because many of us were coming from outside, coming into the home. So you need to find a way to weave this in into the new normal. But the principle is, is clear. Once you're done with your work commitments, even if it was a rough day or something that, you know, was really discouraging or stressful, when you now engage or re-engage your kids and your wife, for the first five minutes after you're done, they need to feel like they're the most important people in the world. And how do you do that? Joy was sharing things, saying things like, you know, I'm so glad you're the most, who are my favorite people in the world? Or, hey guys, what would you like to do? And just showing that you're completely there and fully engaged is a way to demonstrate that you want to spend quality time with them. And what will happen is after those first few moments, that's why I said five minutes is oftentimes there's a couple of laughs, highlights, hugs, expressions, and then people kind of carry on and do their own thing. So then, then you're kind of less obligated, if you will, to tie yourself down. You can now choose, will I spend time with all of them or, or just with a few of them? But, but that first moment when you re-engage is, is, is important. So having said that, let's go back on track. We're talking about the third love language of five. And this is about time and how it's important that it is undivided attention, quality time. As a side story of what this looks like for one of my daughters, there was a time when I was working on my computer and this daughter of mine was trying to get my attention. She said, hey, daddy, look at me. And so I looked at her as I stopped a little bit. And then I went back to my keyboard, you know, doing what I needed to get done. And then she was not satisfied with my side glance and affirming her saying her you know wow that's very good instead she sat down on my lap in between me and my computer my laptop she held my hands gently she held my face gently with her two hands and then she locked my eyes to her eyes 
And she said, Daddy, look at me. <laughs> and then I realized, okay, this darling daughter of mine, that is a signal for me that her love language is time, undivided attention. So that is so important for time people. And again, if that's you, most likely it is a time person. If you see that in your child, most likely they are a time person as well. Let's move to number four. The fourth love language, we talked about words, we talked about touch, we talked about time. The fourth is now service. What is service? Ah, okay. This is my love language. Service. I see my wife, you know, raising her eyebrows saying, yes, I know. Service. If you're a service person, you like it when people do things for you. That's how you feel love. For example, when my wife cooks a yummy meal, oh my goodness, it's like, you know, that expression, will you marry me? You know, will you marry me all over again? I feel so loved. Or early on in our marriage, I, I would do a lot of different sports. I would come home kind of tired. I'd love it when she would give me massages on the feet. Now, to be honest, that was what I wanted. And I realized later on, that that was actually the love language that my wife did not want me to have. So, honey, you want to speak to that a little bit? I think I had to grow in that area because, honestly, at the beginning, I was so irritated and annoyed that that was his love language because he grew up like a, a prince in his home as the only son, the oldest, with three younger younger sisters who were super sweet and everyone kind of catered to him. So when we got married, that was his Not expectation. Not completely, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> when we got married, that was his expectation of me. And I grew up in a home where, you know, you serve yourself. Whatever you can do for yourself, you do it. So it annoyed me at the beginning. But here's the thing about the love language. It's not about, you know, speaking the language that I want to speak because it's comfortable for me. But I had to learn how to adjust and to also communicate to Edric that he was important to me. And so I learned to do things like give him a, a tray full of food for the whole day, which included his mid-morning snack, his uh, mid-afternoon snack, because he asked me for that. And he said it really made him feel special and important. So Super. I, <laughs> so I learned to do that. And I just made it a habit. And it makes a big difference to him. And, and, and other small things, right? The things that he asked me to do. He really appreciates it when he asked me to do something and I prioritize it. Now, with our children, what I do to, to show them that I serve them is during mornings when they wake up a little bit later, I will plate their food and I serve them while we're eating because I'm usually walking around preparing extra food for breakfast, maybe, maybe doing a parfait for them or some kind of yogurt dish, something that makes them feel extra special. And they're always like, yay, mommy's making extra food. And mommy, it's so nice when you do this. And so those are just small ways. You know, sometimes when we think of the word service, it doesn't have to be some difficult gesture that is not sustainable. You know, just just little things to show that we, we care about the people uh, in our lives, whether it's our husband or our children. And um, one of our sons, he also shows that he is uh, a service person because he'll always be like, does anybody want water? I can get you water. And so I think now the kids are also learning to speak each other's love language because they know what matters to each other. And they also like to express themselves in these particular ways. So this is Titus again, but he'll be the type to say, oh, I'll get you water, mom. What, do you need something, mom? I'll help you. So it's nice. I think that as we do the love languages to our children, it also gives them a template for how they can love us back and love one another. 
Right. That's so sweet. I love that about Tari, such a service boy. And to close out that uh, opening sharing of mine about the service, <laughs> I love talking about how since my wife did not like to do massages for me, she realized, okay, if I'm going to show this love language in a win-win way because she doesn't really like touching my feet or whatever, she started to outsource Back when there was no pandemic, this is awesome. Now, obviously, we can't get massages, but that was awesome. So if you're that type of person that wants a creative solution, you can do that also. So the point is, if you are a service person, acknowledge this. Now you know this is your dominant love language. And if this is something you see in your kids, then now you know also. Let's go to the fifth one as we wrap up this loving. How do we show our children we love them? How do we help make sure that we're speaking the right language and they don't miss it? The fifth and final one, according to Dr. Gary Chapman, is now gifts. So some people will say, words is not my thing, or I feel it, but not so much. Touch, not really my thing. We're more conservative. We're not really touchy-feely. You know, time is good, but not so much. Some people will say even service, okay, but not so much. But when you give me a gift whether it's a house and lot or a brand new car, (laughs) you know, obviously that's an exaggeration, but it might be true for some. Or it could be a simple, thoughtful gift like a card or, you know, you you happen to go out for your your errands today, getting your essentials and you remember that your, your spouse or your child likes this particular chocolate and you brought it home and they feel so happy when you bring it home. That is most likely a sign that, hey, their dominant language is gifts, or that might be you. If you like that, that people thought of you or you get these thoughtful tokens or big things, if you feel loved that way, then it's good to be honest, you're most likely a gifts person. What does this look like for our kids, babe? You know, I'm trying to think which one of our kids is a gift person. I'm thinking maybe it could be Catalina because now that you mention (laughs) it, whenever I come home from somewhere, she'll be like, mom, did you get me anything? And she doesn't mean something expensive, but I think... Sometimes she just appreciates if I thought of her and I brought her something from the grocery or maybe the department store. So I think it really depends. You know, I think sometimes a child can have multiple love languages. And what we try to do is we just try to hit all, <laughs> right? <laughs> to make sure that we're not lacking in, um, in, in a particular area. And then we start to see as they get older, what they really look for or what they really appreciate or how they also express themselves. And then we begin to realize, okay, that's maybe more of their dominant love language. Wonderful. Yeah. I think it's both Catalina and Tian, actually. I see them waiting, you know, at our porch when a car comes in and they're looking at us, but they're also looking inside the car to see if there's anything that we brought home. And when they see something like, what is that mom? What is that dad? And if it's something (laughs) we brought like the other day, right? They start screaming, wow, guess what daddy and mommy bought? You know? So sometimes there's that subtle pressure. I'm like, okay, should I bring something home? Because I think that that is their language. But, you know, the main point here is as Joy was articulating, you want to be able to cover all the bases if you've never figured out what it is for your child and for you. Cover all the bases, perform all, and see which ones they respond to most. And here's the important part. Once you know what your dominant love language is, it could be one, it could be two, it could be several, but there will be some dominant above the five. And you figure that out for your child. The challenging part in the parenting would be to now express their language. The challenge of many parents is that we're trying to show them we love them, for example, through words, because that's how we feel loved. But their love language is time. So we can shower them with so much affirmation and words, but if they don't really have that as their dominant language, they won't feel it. 
You ask the child, does your mommy and dad love you? They'll say, not really, I don't know. And then you ask the parents, they'll be like, but I tell them every day. So that could be the reason why. So the challenge again is to speak their language. That's where they will feel loved. And that's why we unpacked it in this way. Now, there's a closing mindset or a closing resource, if you will, that we wanted to talk about in loving. And I'll ask my wife, Joy, to talk more about this. Well, yeah, some time ago, I came across a developmental psychologist called Dr. Gordon Neufeld. I think we were at a conference in Berlin and he was one of the speakers. And I was so moved by his talk because he talked about how important it is that our children feel attached to us. And if they don't feel attached to us, they're going to attach to somebody else. In fact, he's got a quote uh, in one of his books. And this book is called Hold On to Your Kids, Why Parents Matter. And he co-authored it with Gabor Mate. And he says here, children have an inborn need to find their bearings by turning towards a source of authority, contact, and warmth. Children cannot endure the lack of such a figure in their lives. They become disoriented. They cannot endure what I call an orientation void. So what happens is, he says, if no parenting adult is available, the human child will orient to whomever is near. Social, economic, and cultural trends in the past five or six decades have displaced the parent from his intended position as the orienting influence on the child. And the peer group has moved into this orienting void with deplorable results. And I might add, I think even media has moved into this disorienting void and so that children look to media and whoever else they're following on media as their source of influence. And this is really meant to be us. And he, during the conference that we sat in, he actually said something that brought me to tears because he said, you know, we are never meant to influence children whose hearts we don't have. We're not meant to teach children whose hearts we don't have. So our effectivity in influencing our children really rests on whether our children understand with absolute certainty that we love them, that we're committed to them. And if they have that sense of security, then they will be oriented towards us. Then we can pass on the values that we believe are important. Then we can really teach them and train them in the areas that we believe are important. So that was something that Edric wanted me to add because it's a powerful image and lesson on how important it is that we win the hearts of our kids. And the main line that actually brought you to tears is when he said, when did your child first fall in love with you? That's right. Yeah, That's I forgot that part. That's a powerful <laughs> opening line because he said, we were not meant to influence the hearts of children whom we do not have or which we do not and have. I so, think, yeah, to that, to that point, to that question that Edric just brought up now that he actually asked, you know, when, when you're courting somebody, you're doing your best, right, to win their hearts. And you want to get to that point where they really do fall in love with you. And you put you put so much effort into trying to make sure that you capture their hearts. And so that's the same commitment and intentionality we must have towards our children. Because if we're not capturing their hearts, if they're not falling in love with us, then they're going to love other influences out well there. Said. So that's why it's so important. Mm, well said. And, and again, in a time like this where families are forced to be at home because of the various different protocols surrounding the, the pandemic, it becomes a lot more pronounced because once their hearts are turned towards us, as we've talked about in the other podcast, that's when you can do all sorts of things like get them away from the dangers of digital, right? Get them to focus on their schoolwork, get them to do chores, all of that. It, it really starts with this experience of and love. Can I so, just add that? Because I think it's not about wanting to control our kids, right? It's really about wanting to influence them. And someday they're going to definitely give their hearts to others, to peers, to somebody whom they will fall in love with, whom they will eventually marry. 
So I think the reason why we want our children to fall in love with us first is because we want to have that primary influence when they are younger. And then as they grow older, then we can trust that they're going to make wise choices because they have the values and the principles, the life principles in place that we have passed on to them. Wonderful. Now, before we proceed, it'll be great if you also check out the other shows from Podcast Network Asia. The Beauty Authority Podcast, hosted by Dr. Vicky Bello. Hi, this is Dr. Vicky Bello, and why do I think I'm a beauty authority? Well, I've been in clinical practice of dermatology and cosmetic surgery for the last 30 years. And so what we're trying to do with this podcast is to combine the scientific knowledge and research that we always do with the practical, clinical, everyday experience with patients. So I thought this would be a nice, unique way to share with you knowledge about skincare and beauty, etc. Join me and Katrina Razon, your beauty authorities, brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Okay, so we've talked about the importance of loving, and we've unpacked that. We've talked about the love languages. We've quoted some of our favorite resources. Let's now talk about liking. And this is probably the part that many parents will overlook because if you ask any parent, any decent parent, do you love your kids? Of course, they'll say yes. And if you ask the kids, generally speaking, if they feel like the parents love them, they'll generally say yes, of course. But the question that we've seen that is also important along these lines is if you ask the child, well, do you think your parents like you? Do they enjoy you? Do they enjoy being with you? That's when it gets tricky. Or if you ask the parents, do you like them? That's where it also gets tricky. So it's so important that even as we say or we show we love them, we also need to let them know we like them. These two go hand in hand if once again we want to reach their hearts and be able to influence those hearts and, and guide them in the right direction uh, and help them do what we feel they're supposed to be doing that are the right things whether it's in their school, in their friends, in their personal hobbies and interests, or even in the values that we want to develop in them. So as a very practical framework, if you will, uh, what one of the lessons that I've learned in the adult world is the principle of buttons. I, I, I learned this from a sales consultant whom I randomly bumped into during one of my early career stints and this guy was a foreigner. I happened to be uh, dressed up in my suit, about to meet a CEO in, in this job early on that I had. And as I was waiting for my turn, he was at the counter while waiting. And he just struck up a conversation with me, asked me what I was doing there. And I told him I was on a sales call trying to meet one of the heads of that company. And he said, oh, he was there too. And he mentioned he was a sales consultant. So I figured, hey, you know, free advice. I said, can you give me some free advice? You know, what are the most important things you've learned in relating to people, in selling? And you know what he told me? He said, Edric, people like people like themselves. I never forgot that. People like people like themselves. What does that mean? If you want people to like you, you need to be able to be like them or start enjoying or showing interest in things that are something that they enjoy. So I use that. I use that in the adult space, meaning in, in, in the working world, as I went into TV and I started interviewing close to a thousand guests on the show, On The Money, which was on ANC for its launch season. And it's now obviously has changed because of this pandemic. But through those years of interacting with guests, you know, you have various personalities. Can you imagine? I had 
former Philippine presidents, all the way down to security guards. So various personalities. And to draw them out, to make it a good show, I'd have to find a way to engage them and make them feel comfortable. So I applied that principle. I remember one tycoon who I was dealing with when I was engaging him, he was not responding. You know, in, in Filipino, uh, the expression is isang tanong, isang sagot. I would ask him a question, hoping he would unpack the answer, but instead he would just give me a quick response. Like, oh, hindi, yes or no. Uh, it wasn't really good TV. Then I realized, I remember this principle. I remembered that he liked tennis. So I asked him about tennis. And as I was doing that, the cameras were rolling. His eyes lit up. His arms were originally folded. They kind of went down. And his body language became more comfortable. And then we were able to talk about not just tennis, but back to the topic at hand, which was on personal finance. And it became a, a great interview overall. And so I'm sharing this because in the realm of our children, it is the same. We need to ask ourselves... What are their buttons that we need to press? Or what are the things that they like doing? So that if we show genuine interest in what they like, people like, people like themselves, then they will feel like, hey, mommy and daddy, they don't just love me, but they really enjoy me. They like me. And, you know, it's kind of a complementary cycle. The more they feel we like them, the more, of course, they will also feel we love them. And the more they will now trust us, the more they will open up and we will engage them on so many different levels. So my wife, Joy, honey, can you give examples of, of how we do this with children or with our kids? Well, today is an example because one of our sons, Eden, he loves plants. Like he is super into botany and he's been like that since he was third grade. He's now in um, ninth grade. And today we, we went with him to Quezon City Circle because apparently ch children are allowed to go there. And he was so excited because he loved going to see the plants and just being there really energizes him. And every time we do this with him, we always ask him, Eden, did you have fun? And he's like, yes. And you can, he's not- a, He's not he, very expressive, right? No, so he's not somebody who will say <laughs> things like, oh, this was the best day ever. He's not that kind not of person. We have guy. some other children who are like that. But he, you can see it in his facial expression, in his smile. And um, he will tell you later that, you know, he really appreciated being out like that. And so just knowing their buttons like that, that that's a button for him. When uh, we support his hobbies, and it's a healthy hobby, it's something that's good, he really appreciates that. He really feels like we like him. And we when we go with him and actually look at the plants together, we talk to him about the plants and he explains them to us, he really gets energized from an experience like that. And then um, our other children love to play board games. We haven't played board games in the last few weeks, but this is something we really regularly do. It's just that we've gotten a little busy in the last few weeks. And the kids also really enjoy this because we can engage each other. It's not like when you're on a computer game where everyone's kind of on their own device and they start getting game eyes. It's, it's, it's you're sitting down together, you're playing a strategy board game, you're talking, you're dialoguing, you're heckling one another. People start opening up about stuff. So I don't really like board games. Um, my husband is more into it than than me, but we try to do it together as a family whenever we can because it's important to our kids. Another thing that's important to them is going biking. And I also don't really like going biking. I prefer to go running or walking, but because my kids enjoy it and they'll say things like, oh, mom, are you going to go biking with us? Yay, you know, it's so much more fun when you're there. So those are the kind of things that show our children that we like being with them. We like to do the things that they like to do. And growing up, my parents were the same way towards us. You know, my mom knew that I liked to go shopping, so she would really spend time with me going shopping. Now we can't really do that with our kids because they can't go out to public places like that. 
to malls, but with my daughter, Tiana, what I do with her is sometimes I'll say, hey, you want to you want to do some Christmas shopping on on um, Shopee or Lazada? Let's do some online shopping. And she'll be like, okay, mom. I said, yeah, yeah, let's pick out stuff for your friends. And she gets super excited about that. With my other kids, they like things like reading books. So at 5.30 in the morning, my my youngest one, who's a year and 10 months, wakes me up. And so I feed her. I spend time with her. And then almost always she'll say, books, books. And so at about 6 a.m., we'll go pick out some books on her shelf. And usually they're the same ones all over again. I don't know how many times I've read these books. And honestly, there are times when I'm like, wow, can we read some other books? But she gets super excited about certain books that we just keep rereading and it, it matters a lot to her. So when we do that, she she really, you know, I can see in her posture and the way that she hugs me and goes closer to my body that she really appreciates it. And she'll even make sounds like, ah, you know, when we're reading parts. <laughs> I see that. It looks a little weird, but it's... Yeah, when we cute. read parts that that have to do with like a mommy and a baby or something cuddly and cute. She'll be like, ah, and she's like a year and 10 months. She's been doing that since she's maybe a year and four months, a year and five months. And so that, that moment, those moments matter to her. So, and she, in fact, she'll even say last one, last one, last one, because she doesn't want the, the moment to end um, when we're reading books. So those are some examples. I'm sure that your kids will also have things that they like to do yeah. that are particular to them. Mm-hmm. So it's not about imposing the things that we do as mm-hmm. a family on your own kids, but you actually have to ask them, observe them, what makes them tick? What do they enjoy doing? And then, you know, when you can find time during the day or set time during the week to actually engage them doing the things that they like to do. Yes. And what is also important about this uh, principle is when you now know what they like to do, just like the love languages, the challenges to now do what they like to do, right? Oftentimes we might say, okay, let's let's do what I like, like dads who like basketball, we'll get the kids into basketball, but the kids might not like that. So when you now spot these things, as Joy was sharing, for example, in our household, our challenge or your challenge is now to say, okay, I need to show that I'm genuinely interested. Even if, to be honest, maybe you're not that interested in it at the start. I remember playing Beyblades with my sons at some point. It's not my thing. But, um, you know, I use that as an opportunity to also instill some values like having a nice competitive spirit, you know, always wanting to be excellent. So when I joined them, because they kept playing it, I wanted to go into their world. I'm like, can daddy join? They were so surprised. I'm like, oh, sure, dad. And I said, give me the toughest Beyblade. And whoever beats me gets a prize. Oh, that really got them riled up. So I, I got the toughest Beyblade and they kept trying to beat me and they finally got me and they were so excited, you know. And, and those moments are moments where I'm able to not just go into their world, but win their hearts. So after that, you know, when I would want them to do things that I like, guess what? They're now more open because I've gone into their world. People like people like themselves. So this is how we want to wrap up this principle of liking. So we talked about loving. We we talked about now liking, which is so important. I just want to add a very important principle here. What we're not saying is that you revolve your whole life around your children to make sure that they know you love and like them and your whole world stops for them. That is called child-centric parenting, which will be a separate topic all of its own. But it is important that we do not fall into that. Some parents who mean very well will do that, will revolve their whole life around their children in a sincere effort to show that they love and like them. But that can be bad parenting because, you know, when our children feel like our whole lives revolve around them, 
they will act like that. <laughs> exactly, right? And there's so many other downsides. So once again, stay tuned for that podcast. But for now, we just wanted to clarify that that when we talk about loving and liking and these principles here, we we don't want you to think that or we don't want parents to think that, yes, I'll drop everything and just give them my whole life. That's not what this is. You know, I need to add something before we close because I just remember this. But we also try to date our kids one-on-one especially as they get older, because they begin to have issues or things that they're on their hearts that they may not always be able to open up to us, you know, when it's a larger group contest, especially because we have so many kids. So we need to make sure that we, we, we really set aside moments to date each one of them. And, you know, one of our sons, Titus, who is a middle child before he said, you know, mom, I, I don't like being the middle child because because my two older brothers, they hang out together. And then my two younger sisters, this is before we had six, um, they also play together. So I'm kind of in the middle and I don't always know who to play with. And my heart really went out to him because he was feeling alone in the mix of our of our children. He felt he really felt like the middle child. He said, I don't like being the middle child. And no one had ever talked to him about the concept of being a middle child. But we, you know, we tried to really encourage him and remind him that hey, you're like a bridge in between your two, your your brothers and your sisters. And that's why God chose you to be there because you know how to get along with everybody. And um, just taking out that time to talk to him, to date him at that moment and just connect with his heart mattered so much to him because after that conversation when, oh, you know, I, I made him see the positive sides of being the middle child and how God really made him special and unique because he really has a certain kind of personality that it can accommodate all his siblings. He really, he really felt important. And I remember sometime afterwards when I asked him again, Hey, do you still think about being the middle child? Does it still bother you? He's like, no mom, I, 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 you know, I, I, I don't mind at all anymore. So sometimes unless we really sit our kids down and ask them questions that are very pointed and directed towards them and asking them how they're doing, we may never really, get to see what's on their minds or hearts, especially if certain children may tend to be more quiet or withdrawn. So this is the importance of dating them. And when I say dating them, obviously at this present time, we can't just take them out to a restaurant or go to the mall. So sometimes it's just about sitting with them on the couch and maybe sharing a snack and having a a deeper conversation with them. Or when I'm doing some errands, I let them ride in the car with me. They may not get down from the car, but just getting to talk with them because it's focus time while I'm driving and asking them questions. So, or maybe it's going for a walk and side by side, having a conversation uh, while you're outdoors, whatever it may be. I think the principle is, can we also, you know, spend individual moments with our children just to really find out what's happening inside their hearts and then asking some of their life questions because our kids have asked us some really deep questions when we have one-on-one time with them that have to do with faith. Can I believe that there is a God? Does he exist? Um, How do I know that you guys really want what's best for me? Can I trust the Bible? Why is it not okay to have sex before marriage? What is sex? You know, all these questions that we are so blessed that we've been around to answer them because we do have time with our kids. But sometimes unless we're very intentional about singling them out and really making sure that we also date them individually, we we may not discover or we may not have the opportunity to answer. Thanks, honey. Before we wrap up our time, here are a few messages from the other shows of Podcast Network Asia. Hi, this is Sanaya and I'm a well-being junkie. It's true, I admit it. I love everything to do with mind, body, and energy. And I'm constantly on a journey of learning, exploration, 
and self-discovery. So I created a podcast to talk to experts, influencers, and thought leaders to be inspired by new ideas. So join me on the Project Loving Myself podcast, because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship you have with yourself. You are loved. Okay, so thanks, honey. So what have we talked about so far? We've shared principles on loving. We've shared principles on liking. And here's how we wanted to wrap up this whole episode. We wanted to talk about a a wonderful tender verse in the Bible that is a moment between God as a father and, and his son, Jesus. And he said this as Jesus was coming out of the water. If you guys are, are, you know, people who know your Bible or maybe you've watched these in shows or learned these before, this is the moment where Jesus is baptized. He comes out of the water and then there's this tender moment between father and son where the father says to his son, this is my son whom I love with whom I am well pleased. It's in Matthew 3 verse 17 if you wanted to reference that. And when we talk about loving and liking, we love how this was modeled in even in just those set of words by God the Father towards His Son. Because there are three A's He unpacked there. And I wanted to, as a father, close with this perspective to parents out there, how important this is for parents and dads. I'm calling out us dads here that we are able to do these things in order for our children to know that we love them and like them. The the three parts would be when he says, this is my son. There's a sense of acceptance that their identity is secure that, yes, you know, um, my dad is proud of me. You know, he acknowledges that I am his. Um, That is so important for a child. And I have so many stories about my own life to share, but we don't have enough time on this podcast to We could actually do a separate one on identity. Yeah, we are going to be doing one. And that's another teaser for all of you watching to to talk about the child-centric parenting and this identity. But for now, that is so important, making sure that they feel accepted. And those would be, that is the example when he said, this is my son, Anakoto in Filipino, right? The second part, he said, whom I love, and there's the affection, right? We talked about this in the love languages. You can never go wrong with with expressing that. And he did this in this example. God the Father did this towards the Son, Jesus. And the final part is now affirmation, with whom I am well pleased. And that is something we also learned in the loving part earlier. Such a wonderful example. And, And if it's something that is modeled by God, then Clearly, it is something we can learn from and do. And if we do, we will see amazing results. So, loving and liking. Any parting words, my darling? Yeah, I love and like you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. No, let me take, let me, let me rephrase that. I will always love you, mm. but there are times I don't like you. <laughs> there you go. That's more honest, right? Yeah, so but right true. now, I actually like you. <laughs> Our love for each other will never change. Yeah. But the liking, maybe again. <laughs> but right, I think that's, so. that's the same thing we want to assure our kids with, right? There's nothing that you can do that will ever change my love for you. And I just want to close with a story because recently our son, our oldest son had to take the SATs, which is basically right an entrance exam that will get you into even colleges abroad if you do well on it. And he was very nervous about it. And he was very, he was really stressing out about it. But, you know, my husband and I, we told him, we sat down with him and we said, you know, Elijah, we just want you to know that whatever you get on this test, we're going to love you no matter what. And you're going to get the grade that God wants you to grade to get. And we know that you have tried your best. So don't worry about the score. You just go in there, you try your best, and it's going to be fine. Because remember, we love you no matter what. 
And so he he actually said something like, you know, I we I really need to hear that. Thank you. And so it just was such a great relief for him to know that our love for him is it's not conditional. It's not conditional. It's not performance based. I think we can fall into that trap, right? Because we want our kids to do well. We have great expectations of them and we want them to really succeed in life. And so we get frustrated when they don't do well. And we maybe say things that are hurtful. Even as we're homeschooling them during this quarantine or if you're doing home-based learning with them, sometimes we can say things in our frustration and disappointment and maybe anxiety because we're worried about how things are going to go with their education or how they are turning out. Or maybe we start to see character issues more up close as we're spending time with them. So this is just a reminder that we think we always have to give them that assurance that, you know, if they make mistakes, it's okay because we're committed to them. We love them no matter what. It's okay to fail and to, but we're help. We're here to help them fail forward, to improve. And hun, there's that line that we give, right? Or that's the line that it's our, it's in our minds at least that of course we love you no matter what, but because we love you so much, we're committed to helping you grow and change in the ways that you need to. To become more Christ-like. That's right. So remember those lines. It's powerful. And we can unpack that all of its own, the, the lines that will say, there's nothing you can do that will make me love you less because we love you just because you are children, right? So loving and liking this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you again for joining us. Please join us for the next episode where we will unpack secret. You'll see that in the podcast. So thanks again for joining us on this episode. We hope you learned as much. You know, this is one of the things that we continue to try and practice loving and liking our children. And one another. And one <laughs> another, of course. So thank you again for joining us. We hope to, you join us again in the next podcast. This has been Family Unboxed brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics.